Hello and welcome to The Planet Today, where we cover the latest in climate change, wildlife conservation, renewable energy, and environmental policy. Today's Friday, July 28th, 2023. I'm your host, Matt Norton, here by myself today because we're about to air my interview with Tucker Perkins. Before we get into things, here's a quick note from one of our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by KitCaster. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. How do funded startup founders attract prospects and talent? Podcast interviews. How do entrepreneurs with exits find new deals? Podcast interviews. How do C-suite execs differentiate in crowded markets? Podcast interviews. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. Click the link in the show notes for a special offer. Celebrate good conversation. Today on TPT, we are joined by Tucker Perkins. Tucker is the President and Chief Executive Officer of the Propane Education and Research Council, or PERC, and host of the Path to Zero podcast. Tucker knows that climate change is both real and man-made, and his goal is to meet the world's energy demands while reducing carbon in the atmosphere through the use of cleaner liquid fuels such as propane. Tucker, welcome to the planet today. Matt, thanks for having me. I look forward to spending some time with you. Likewise, today. likewise. So let's take it from the top. What first got you interested in sustainability? You know, as I really think about that, I've always been interested in two things we still don't talk much about today, right? One is just uh, general conservation, uh, just to conserve the resources you have, whether it's energy or water is kind of, I think, where I really got started. Uh, and I've been really interested in water as a resource, probably, you know, growing up on the Chesapeake Bay, living on a river, uh, enjoying time on water. I've always been interested in clean water uh, and making sure we had it. So I think that naturally led me to eventually move into energy. And now I find in, we're now we finally are beginning to talk about limited resources and the impacts of our decisions. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting. I, I feel like every single guest I've had on this show, when we talk about what first got them interested, it's either, you know, I was just kind of born into it based on where I was at, or this eureka moment happened. And I feel like the more people I talk to, the more I realize we all just kind of grew up loving the outdoors and the natural world and then realized we can be a part of the solution to a lot of these problems. Yeah, maybe have to be a part of the solution is the, is the sad part of it. But it is interesting that even as I tell you that, I find very few people today will ever talk about conservation as one way to reduce carbon, or very few people are talking about the impact of clean water, you know, and how it integrates into a modern society. So I haven't I haven't achieved either one of those goals very well yet. So we'll see <laughs> we'll see how I do on the rest. Well, yeah, it, it seems like water is becoming more and more of a prevalent talking point in a lot of conversations. So it's uh, yeah, it's kind of a double edged sword there. I'm glad that it's becoming more of a focal point for a lot of people, but also it's really unfortunate that it's gotten to this point where water usage is as high as it is in areas where they really don't have a lot of water. So yeah, I, I hear you there. <laughs> 
So let's talk about Perk and what you and your team do there for the Propane Education and Research Council. Well, the original vision of Perk, you know, 20 plus years ago was to really do three things. One, make sure that people use propane in safe and orderly manner. So whoever's using it, whether it's plumbers or homeowners or builders or architects, to see that they were you know, knowledgeable in how to use it and the people that installed it were, were uh, knowledgeable and that, that the system was safe. So safety and safety education has always been a big part of it. You know, creating awareness around how propane works on the home or the farm or in transportation has been a piece. And then really the third part is we often act as, uh, you know, uh, venture capitalists, if you will, to really seed the next technology. So today we're talking about all kinds of different ways of, to make renewable propane. Some of the greatest engines, I think, that are coming out are uh, will come out because we were a part of that vision. But I would say propane school buses wouldn't exist but for PERC that, you know, 15 years ago now. We realized there had to be a better way to get children to school safely. Um, commercial mowing with propane wouldn't happen, I think, without PERC because we just knew gasoline or diesel was just hard. It's filthy enough in a car and truck. It was tenfold that filthy in a commercial mm -hmm. mower. So, you know, we really we love that position of, you know, certainly advancing safety and safety training, advancing awareness. And then lastly, you know, we have the tools at, at our disposal to, to develop the technologies that we really think will move mark, move the market forward. So you used a phrase that I want to touch on a little bit more there, renewable propane. How is propane renewable in ways that the other fuels that you've mentioned aren't? It's funny. I think a lot of people can think about renewable electricity as coming from solar or wind, but they struggle with the concept of renewable fuel. So renewable natural gas has certainly been around today. They make that from really captured methane out of landfills. We make renewable propane from a variety of waste uh, products. Four or five years ago, we were primarily focused on used cooking oil, a lot of animal fats, and believe it or not, it quick, quite easily converts into propane. So uh, now we use some waste forest products. We actually now just this month are producing renewable propane from a non-food cover crop called camelina plant. So we really have about 11 different pathways to make renewable propane, but it always starts with something that you and I would have viewed as a waste product. Use cooking oil, animal fats, non-food cover crop, maybe methane from a, from a landfill. And we can easily, and sometimes not as easy, but still it's a, such a waste product and needs to be captured. We make this low carbon, perhaps very zero carbon or way neutral, I mean, way negative carbon renewable propane. So when I think of propane, a lot of times what I'm thinking of is, you know, the grill at my parents' house that ran on a, a propane tank, or when I go camping and I get that small canister to plug into my portable stove. So those two things are a yeah. start. That's good. <laughs> so when you're talking about propane here, you know, how can this be a part of fighting against climate change? Yeah. You know, I never know whether to be slightly offended when people <laughs> say that, because I hear that all the time. I think of propane as the fuel in my grill. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually proud that you think of it as the fuel that you take when you go camping, because a lot of, 
you know, a lot of lifestyle advocates really think about propane for, uh, you know, what cooks their food on the trail or sometimes even how they might warm their boots or something in the cold rain. But really, we are so much bigger than that. Uh, today, propane in the U.S. powers 60,000 vehicles, mm. most of them commercial, powers 21,000 buses alone, school buses alone, paratransit vehicles that take, you know, my grandmother to and from the doctor or, you know, all kinds of transit beyond school bus, really active. So transportation is a huge part. And frankly, to, to go straight to your question, replacing diesel fuel is a key part of how propane fits. But we're really about transportation. We're about really making changes in the built environment, uh, moving away from heating oil, moving away from some really inefficient and old technologies, frankly, moving away from wood uh, was, is a big advantage if the, if the metric is the climate. And then lastly, power generation. Um, Ten years ago, I think most people thought of propane as a backup generator for their home and didn't think about it much past that. Today, we're actually actively uh, supplying homeowners, commercial, farms, business and industrial sites with power generation often back up and quite often the prime as power has become increasingly more expensive and increasingly unreliable. So transportation, including material handling, uh, power generation, and then really the built environment, three big places that we intersect in each one of those, the first win and the easy win is to stop using diesel fuel, right? Uh, and to use a much cleaner fuel called propane. So I, I do have a question about that. And pardon my ignorance here. I'm not not a huge car guy. So this is going to come off as probably a very basic question to some of my listeners. But I know certain engines you are not supposed to put diesel in. For example, the car that I grew up driving, not supposed to use diesel for that. Are there any sort of limitations with propane where you'd have to have a specific engine or a different part put into the engine to make it run? Or is this just a straight up one-to-one -one substitute for conventional gasoline or diesel fuel? You know, that's, that's a fair question completely. So to your point, diesel engines don't use spark plugs. They're called compression ignited and uh, really everything else, hydrogen, natural gas, propane, gasoline, they use a spark plug to ignite the mixture. And so... Yes, we can take a gasoline, a car intended for gasoline use, and then modify it to run on propane. But you can't just take a car that's designed to run on gasoline and run propane. Um, actually, with modern electronics, it's better than you <laughs> believe that you you can. But but we'll say for now you can't do it. And we don't we don't really advocate too much in the consumer vehicle side. You might we, we go for high mileage or high idle operations, mm -hmm. so specifically truck fleets. We have a lot of police fleets that use propane. They really appreciate the safety. They appreciate the environmental benefits. They appreciate the cost savings. And those vehicles, you know, really performance is everything. Um, but really beyond police fleets and limousines, we really don't move. We don't really do much with people movers until we get into school buses or transit buses. Gotcha. Um but yeah, we don't, we don't, but I have to say, as we think about this shift towards electric vehicles, you know, it's really a different style of doing things, right? It's, it's not this transition. It's a com abrupt shift where, where I, I got 5,000 gas stations in my town. I got 50, you know, uh, EV charging sites. Mm -hmm. 
in my town. So I would say the experience of driving a propane vehicle versus is very similar to driving a gasoline vehicle. The fueling experience, very similar. Um, the, the environmental benefits much better. Gotcha. Yeah. The first thing that, you know, when you said idling, I thought of was when I bike home from work in, in New York city, I pass, well, in the summer, especially I pass so many ice cream trucks that just idle and use diesel generators to stay running passing out ice cream all throughout the day. I'm thinking about how many emissions they're generating day after day all throughout the summer. And then the sheer number of ice cream trucks that are set up around central park, you know, that's, that's not an insignificant number of emissions there. Yeah. Idling the diesel idling. And first off you, you, I notice it when I'm in New York city because it's one of the few places I feel like I am where the vehicles are that concentrated. You usually have big buildings on either mm-hmm. side. And you just cannot escape the diesel exhaust. Diesel exhaust is horrific for everyone, particularly horrific, though, for older or younger uh, people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the it contains NOx, uh, which is really not good for plants, but horrible for our lungs. It contains particulate matter, which is a known carcinogen. And when getting rid of diesel, frankly, is a critical step forward and cleaning our air. It will also quiet our streets. It'll make us healthier. It'll make our plants healthier, but it's, it's a critical first step. And I think, you know, one of the things we're always talking about is we have a way to improve air quality today. Not, we don't have to wait 10 years to build a gas uh, uh, overhead power line. We don't have to wait five years to permit, you know, the modern greatest uh, EV charging station. We can clean the air now. And if we could get those trucks out of New York City idling diesel and get them running something clean like propane or natural gas, then you would ha- you would be shocked how much quieter the streets are, how much better it smells, and uh, how much better you feel. Yeah, I, I think, you know, especially living in a city that is so car dense, that makes a ton of sense. <laughs> so, but, yeah. Oh, and notice we've been talking for 15 minutes and we haven't even talked about the the climate benefits right i mean we, it's funny we've been talking about health yeah. benefits almost exclusively which i tend to uh favor over climate benefits it's the health the health benefits are going to get us earlier right we can all agree that the climate is failing and we need to do something about it but we have to agree it's a long it's a long battle if we improve it it's a long ways yeah. up and if we don't do anything it's it's still a long ways but for health benefits, particularly in populated areas like L.A. or New York, getting rid of diesel. I mean, I think we all we got a little glimpse of it in COVID, yep. right? We stopped. We stopped. This period, we stopped. And you have to think about how much clearer the skies were, how much quieter, and how much better the city felt for that six or eight months when we truly had stopped. And we really deserve to have that day every day again. Yeah, it's something that here I know that there's a, a bunch of different days throughout the year where there's a program, Clean Streets New York City, where they shut down certain roads, certain blocks, and it's totally car free. And yeah, it just, even though there's cars on either avenue on either side of you, it's just so much quieter and it feels cleaner. You know, you're not just breathing in the the tailpipe emissions. So yeah, I, I totally hear where you're coming from there. But I do want to get into this next point, which you brought up, the climate benefits of this. So propane generates lower carbon dioxide than gasoline or diesel fuel, um, actually less than natural gas, 
but I want to talk about why the Clean Air Act says that propane is a clean energy source despite the higher CO2 content than natural gas. I think the Clean Air Act really realized the physical benefits of combusting propane, right? And what not not it, it's an amazing you know piece of chemistry. One, propane doesn't contain any methane. So, you know, as we even think about the impact methane has released into the atmosphere, which is pretty pretty bad greenhouse gas. Propane doesn't contain any of that. Uh, the Clean Air Act also realized that propane, when stored, will not contaminate soil, groundwater and the benefits of that. And we see a lot of migration to using propane in the marine environment, mainly because it doesn't contaminate sensitive areas that have water. And then, but they clearly understood, and it has been known for some time, that propane that's burned in just a normal engine, forget even a technically superior engine. So think of a gasoline uh, mower or perhaps just even a a generator outside your Mm -hmm. home that the products uh, from that burning and that combustion are really very clean. And uh, I think the government saw that years ago, that that using propane in lieu of gasoline or diesel was a true benefit to the climate. So would you say it's more about the, the life cycle emissions and really looking at the whole picture from processing all the way to end use, and that's where we, we derive that it is this cleaner source of fuel? Yeah, and the complete combustion. I mean, again, when we when we combust propane, we have virtually zero particulate matter, uh, virtually zero NOx, or those those emissions I talk about that are harmful to mm-hmm. lungs. Um, and the greenhouse gases, which had been arguably our worst metric, uh, had still been better than most other forms of fuel. And now, as we really modern engineering has really caught up. Uh, and really allows us now to produce purpose-built engines that are amazingly powerful and uh, miserly for fuel and therefore really clean. Gotcha. So I I do want to talk about something we kind of alluded to earlier when you were talking about animal fats and cooking oils, but how does the propane processing differ from other forms of liquid fuel processing? Well, the the first and the primary, the first and foremost difference is that propane is really a byproduct. No, very few people are out there producing propane. They're actually producing, generally in this case in America, natural gas. And in the process of cleaning up natural gas, they get propane. Propane is one of the heavier things in a natural gas stream when a well is drilled. So it's a, pro- it's a byproduct of natural gas. And as such, it's quite easily uh, cleaned up and produced into purity propane. From there, it's really easy to store and to transport because we store it and transport as a liquid, where natural gas is almost always as a vapor, unless we go to liquefied natural gas. And so it's it's very easy to store and transport. And that's why it's such a valuable thing in your gas grill or in that one pound bottle that you take camping. But it, those same principles apply to vast amounts that are used in industrial facilities or used in my home, for example. So if we were to stop drilling for natural gas tomorrow, which I know we're not going to do that, but let's say that were to happen, would propane still be renewable with the amount of uh, cooking oils and animal fats that we use on a day-to-day here? Or are we always going to need some sort of gas drilling in order to get this propane? 
No, we, we, um, and actually I think, you know, the industry on a worldwide scale really has a goal of trying to be a hundred percent renewable by 2050. I think as a, as a practical matter, we'll see whether that happens or not. I think we could make it happen. But the, the one area that I tend to always think about is environmental benefit versus cost. And first off, I don't really believe we'll be without natural gas, particularly in the United States. I think it, I think every country is a little bit different. But in North America, natural gas is such a vital part of our energy system. Natural gas infrastructure, that network of pipelines back and forth is so robust that it just continues to be a very clean source of energy that's available to a lot. Um, now, natural gas will eventually become mixtures of natural gas and renewable natural gas, continue to lower their carbon intensities and propane the same way. That's a roundabout answer to you that we could supply our entire needs with renewable propane. I actually doubt we do between now and 2050. After 2050, I think we get a fresh look at what does nuclear look like? What's the state of fusion? What's the state of batteries and battery manufacturing and battery technology? I am sure, Matt, it not only looks nothing like we have today, that it looks nothing like what we're talking about today for 2050. That we're we're in for monumental shifts in all of that. And frankly, it all changes uh, depending on what what happens really with fusion. But but I do believe for a long, long time we'll see really low carbon fuels. And I think the the narrative is wrong. And I'm sure your listeners buy into that narrative or at least listen to it. That you know we got to get rid of all fossil fuels. Uh, that's the only way to have a cleaner climate. And, you know, I'm quick to say fuels aren't all the same, right? All fossil fuels aren't equal. In fact, electricity isn't a form of energy. Electricity is a carrier of energy, right? So coal, oil, and wood, they're pretty dirty. And when you use them to make electricity, they're even more dirty. Uh, propane, natural gas specifically, are relatively clean and uh, will probably be on the menu, uh, particularly as we really fine-tune our conversations around environmental justice and who's paying for these benefits and who's getting these benefits. I tend to believe propane, natural gas, renewable propane, renewable natural gas will stay on the menu for a long time. Yeah. And I think just for, uh, for fairness and transparency here for my listeners, I also buy into the narrative that we should get off fossil fuels, especially when we talk about natural gas. I know that you're saying that it's cleaner it's definitely, definitely cleaner than coal, cleaner than wood. But when we talk about the amount of methane that leaks out just from the simple processing of natural gas, that drilling for oil, when we talk about fracking and how that impacts water supplies, I don't think we can sit here and call it clean. Definitely cleaner than coal, but I think clean is a real stretch there. And, I, you know, I, I don't know if you think that I find fault with what you said because I don't. I am in 100% agreement with you is that um, – you know, the industry, however broad you want to take that. Sure. They have a not they only not only have a responsibility to their shareholders, they have a responsibility to, in this case, Americans or wherever they are, to actually frack responsibly and to minimize the their methane leaks. And it's one of the things that's exciting about renewable propane, where we're now uh, beginning to build some pilot plants that take this methane streams that were previously just released into the atmosphere because mm -hmm. there was nothing else to do with them. And we have great confidence that we're going to be able to turn those waste streams 
into renewable propane. To kind of put it in, in perspective, the carbon intensity would be so far below zero, it's almost unbelievable because the credit you would get for capturing this methane that's escaping and turning it into uh, a usable product that actually, oddly enough, doesn't contain methane, um, is, it's, it's an amazing transformation. And so, but I, I'm in 100% agreement that, um, I mean, first, I agree with a lot of things you said. I think coal's time has come and gone. Yeah. I really think diesel fuel's time has come and should be going. Uh, and that it's time for natural gas to do it responsibly, propane to do it even more responsibly. We don't have methane. It's a great, it's a great physical thing for us. Um, while we wait for these next best fuels. And I think I, I'm just trying to see that we have a more honest conversation. For example, are, are vehicles emission free? Well, certainly they're not right? right. A vehicle at rest may be, but a, a vehicle is certainly a complex situation. And when then minute you charge it up, there is, there is an element of, to the atmosphere. There is an impact to the earth. Yeah. So you know, I guess scientists call that the full economic cycle or full economic analysis sometimes. But I, I completely agree with you that we really need to do things differently, even if we're doing what we've always done. And I, I'm the first, I, look, I, I talk to the natural gas industry on a regular basis. Uh, and it's a two-way conversation that they're doing, they are improving, but I think they need to keep that improvement going for sure. Yeah. And, and something that you said that I really want to highlight is, look, if there's no methane produced by propane, that is in and of itself a huge accomplishment because methane is by far the, more, the most potent greenhouse gas that we face today. Most climate scientists will say the quickest way to see the most emissions reductions would be eliminating methane leaks. So any way we can repurpose that methane that's just a byproduct of another industry and use it to, you know, in this case, burn and not produce any methane emissions, that's a huge win. So, you know, that was one of the first things you said to me. <laughs> I'm looking, you know, there's been a lot of developments in this. There's been a, a vast, a vast a gulf of information. The industry talks about a leakage rate, the EPA or... Sometimes methane watchdog groups talk about a vastly different leakage rate. We're starting to get enough satellite imagery now and data that mm -hmm. begins to give us an idea. And I think, I don't know, I am for full transparency in that area. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm aware that there are sometimes you may not be able to avoid a leak. And you're in New York natural gas system, for example. Uh, those old pipes are going to have leaks of the joints and things like that. But as we look at that system... There are ways we can and should, and I believe will, eliminate those leaks. Absolutely. So I have one final question for you about the whole electrification process. How can using propane bridge the gap for some of the sources that can't be electrified right now or, or maybe ever? Yeah, and I might even say one of the things we look at is where can propane do a better job, even under the metric of reducing the climate impact, right? So again, if the electric grid is so taxed that, and we're seeing it in Germany today, right? And that may be with short term, mm -hmm. but if the electric grid is so under demand that they start burning coal again, nobody really benefits from that, right? You just have, you just have a, abundant power, but you don't have a cleaner environment. So, yeah. so the, the direct answer to your question today we see it has a seat at the table. In fact, should be to eliminate diesel fuel, D eliminate diesel fuel in transportation, mm -hmm. eliminate diesel fuel in material handling, eliminate diesel fuel in power generation, uh, 
for all these backup generators. And think about when you're on a construction site in New York, you see all the generators there. They're all diesel today. They shouldn't be. They should be propane. They should be something other than diesel. So the first step is in that. But I would say in the second step, in those hard-to-electrify sectors, think agriculture out in rural America where they just may not have the abundance or easily able to get the power lines they need. Think about even the built mm -hmm. environment, some places where there's just not enough power. We're seeing it today in EV charging. Believe it or not, so, so many places have made a commitment to EVs without having a corresponding amount of power to charge them. We're seeing tremendous uh, demand now for propane-powered EV chargers. So there's there's a big piece in that. Uh, I, I could actually go on and on. Even in the home environment, you're, you live in a place where we have a lot of talk about heat pumps, right, migrating to heat pumps. We tend mm -hmm. to be supportive of that. The downside is a heat pump's not very uh, efficient when it's very cold. So we're now working with a couple of the heat pump manufacturers to bring in a propane heating leg on the very cold days. And so we really believe the future is working in concert with other fuels, working in concert with solar and wind. So your home is net zero, but uh, it might be propane, solar, and wind. Your, your business, for that matter, uh, probably uses a, a variety of solar power, uh, EV, EVs, and propane-powered vehicles, particularly if your business is something like UPS that has, you know, spans the gamut from light-duty vehicles to very heavy-duty vehicles that go a long way. Gotcha. Well, Tucker, first of all, thank you so much. This is super informative, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure that my listeners learned a lot, but also this is a very fun conversation. So really, really appreciate your time today. Matt, I really enjoy having a chance to talk with you about it and kind of share these ideas. I think if we're going to get anywhere, we got to have these kind of dialogues, right? Because I don't yeah. – we're, we're clear. There's no one silver bullet, right? It's not. Um, right. And so we really – we love being a part of the conversation, and we love being a part of the solution too. So if people want to keep up with you or your work or Perk, where is the best place to do that? Well, I love them to start listening to our own podcast, Path to Zero. We talk a lot about some of these issues. Um, I love to direct people to a website we have called propane.com. And it's really, there's a really nice environmental section there where people can learn about some of the things we're talking about and how we're working with builders or farmers or fleet managers on solving difficult problems here in the U.S. and abroad. So uh, I like to start those two places, and then from there you can kind of find me pretty easily, I think. Cool. Well, we will link the website and your podcast in our show notes. If you're listening and want to hear more from Tucker, swipe up, click those links. We end all of our interviews with three fun rapid-fire questions. You ready? I am ready. Number one, what is your favorite animal? Oh, I'd have to say a yellow Labrador dog. I'm sorry about that, but that's yellow Labrador dog. That is that is definitely a good one. <laughs> Number two, what is something that you do to be more sustainable in your day-to-day -day life? I ride my bike whenever I can. Nice. And number three, what is one topic you think my listeners should be more aware of after hearing from you today? Well, I would say that low-carbon fuels like propane and renewable propane really do have a future in this energy transformation. Awesome. Tucker, thank you again. Really appreciate it. Right, thanks. Great, great time with you. Thank you. And that will do it for today's episode of TPT. We'll be back next Friday for our first new episode 
in a month. Get excited. Thanks again to Tucker for his time today. Until then, you can check out our socials at Planet Today Pod for more TPT. For the Planet Today, I am Matt Norton. See you next week. Thank you.